Describing a self-made prison of bitterness, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Don't you see the prison that you're in over those decisions you're making? Bound up with bitterness and anger. All the decisions that have been made toward you, you turn it around, and you're the one in prison, not them. They're out having a great time. Yahoo! And you're all messed up over it. You're the one that's stuck. You're the one that's not making progress. You're the one that's not in fellowship with the Lord. All those thoughts are putting you right back in prison. All those decisions, you know, they do bad to me, I'm going to do bad twice to them. Oh, really? All that's going to do is make things worse. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's said that bitterness is like drinking poison, but then expecting someone else to die. There's a better way to deal with hurt and pain caused by others, and we'll hear about it on today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll find that as we continue in Romans chapter 15. It's not only a better way, but a time-tested one. It's prayer. Not your everyday prayer, but agonizing in prayer to help us discover its impact, not only on those you pray for, but you as well. Here's Pastor Ed. Verse 27, it pleased them indeed that they were, and they are their debtors, if the Gentiles have been partakers of spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. That's true. You're being blessed spiritually, then you have a duty to, to bless others materially. That's the way it works. For us as believers, we've been given so much. And then notice verse 28. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit. Now, I want you to mark that. You can circle that word, this fruit. Those, that phrase there, you can circle it. Because this fruit, what does it refer to but financial material giving? I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. But when you give, that's fruit from your life. When you give of your tithes and offerings unto the Lord, that's fruit. When you help a neighbor, that's fruit. When, when you're just around there maybe, you know, helping fix a fence, that's fruit. When you give, when I give, that's fruit from our lives. And God wants us to be fruitful in all areas. And so he says, hey, I'm going to give you this fruit. I'll go by way of you to Spain, verse 28, verse 29. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. I just love Paul. He's so confident. He is so confident in the Lord. He says, when I get there, I'm coming in the fullness of the blessing. That's how I'm getting. I'm going to be, I'm going to be there because God brings me there. Because I believe Paul really believed thoroughly in the sovereignty of God. He believed that when he got there, he was so confident that the Lord brought him. And he says, when I get there, man, it's going to be real good. Verse 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Again, if you're writing in your Bible or you're taking notes, circle that word strive, because the Greek word there is, the, is where we get our English word agonize. Agonize. I want you to agonize in prayer with me and for me, he says. It's very easy for us to not have an agonizing prayer life. It's very easy for us to throw up some quick prayers, and I know God uses that, I think we should pray in all things, 
But really, guys, when's the last time you really agonized in prayer? I had to ask myself that question before I even deliver it to you, and I have to say it hasn't been. Well, there's been a few things lately where I'm really agonizing in prayer, but that's not really the mark of my prayer life. I want it to be. I want to agonize in prayer with the saints, for the saints, but I can't say that's always the case. I say that a lot of times my prayer life is very short and very brief, and it needs to be much longer, much more intense, much more in tune with the Spirit of God, and I would suspect that's the way it is with you too. You look at your prayer life and you go, man, Ed, I can't even remember the last time I agonized in prayer. Because it's easy to allow prayer to become very ritual, very routine, you know, a little prayer over the meal at dinner, and we thank God. I mean, it's not, it's not like it's not from the heart. It is. It's not like we're not genuinely engaged with God. We are. But have we gone to the point of agonizing? Because that's what he asked for. That's the pattern of his life, to agonize in prayer, to ask God for the things that are in my life. Like to, to say, let's just say for you, let's just say lately, lately you've been praying for faith. God, just increase my faith. Now, sometimes God will answer prayers. He'll give us the answer, but it won't come the way that we thought. That's what happened with Paul. Do you know he ended up in Rome? But not like on a first-class plane, man. He ended up in Rome as a prisoner. He ended up in Rome through a shipwreck and a snake bite, and man, it was tough. It wasn't on like a cruise liner. He made it there, but not the way he thought he'd make it there. I'm sure it's happened to you. God, increase my faith. And that's been your agonizing prayer. God, I just, man, I just recognize in my life, I need more faith. And so you're on your way to work Monday morning, and you get a text message that says, hey, come see your boss. All right, that's cool. You go in, it's very brief and very quick. Hey, sorry, your department's gone. You're laid off today. Here's your last check. Go clean out your desk. I want you gone in a half hour. What? Oh, God, what did you do this to me for? Why are you doing this? You wanted more faith. (laughs) What? Are you kidding me? I mean, couldn't you just give me a book, Faith 101? I'd read it. I'd read it. I'd take notes on it. And you have that dialogue with God, right? I want more faith. Great. You don't have a job now. What are you going to do? Because God's starting to show you that you've been really trusting in that job, man. That's just been your... That's been what you've been trying. It's just, hey, I'm so glad. I'm so wonderful. I have this job. And now your prayers are something like, hey, Lord, give me this day our daily bread. Because God's building your faith. Oh, I know. We pray for faith, and then we want to map out how we're going to build it. But God, there are times when he answers our prayers, but not the way that we thought. But he answers them. He says, you want more faith? I'll... I'll allow circumstances and situations in your life so that now, hey, two weeks ago, you weren't crying out to the Lord. You weren't agonizing in prayer. You are now. Oh, yeah, you are now. You're crying out for a job. You're crying out for resources. You're crying out for food. You're crying out for your kids. You're crying out for your church. You're crying out in a way that you never have before because God has a way of doing that in our lives, whether it's a medical diagnosis, a situation in your family, a difficulty at work, some anxiety that's popped up again. God has a variety of ways in answering our prayers. Just be open that when you pray that you're going to receive the answer even if it happens in a way that you didn't plan on. Because prayer is a powerful tool. And Paul says, I want you to pray for me. Look at the three things he asked for. Number one, 
He asked in verse 31, that I might be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. So he wanted to be protected from these unbelievers that kept after him. Number two is at the end of verse 31. He pray, He wants us to pray. He wants the church to pray that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. And so the gift that he was bringing, he just wanted unity and fellowship with the church in Jerusalem. And the third thing that he prayed for is that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. All three, you study the life of Paul, all three of these things were answered, just not the way that he thought. Because he recognized, and so do we, that prayer is a powerful tool in tough times, in good times. Let me show you what I mean. Would you turn over to Philippians chapter 1? We're going to pick up in verse 9 there. It's a few pages over to the right, Philippians chapter 1. Prayer is such a powerful tool for us. Paul used it when he was in a prison. That's where Philippians was written. It's known as a prison epistle. And while he was in prison, Paul prayed. He cared about the church so much that he prayed for them. Every time he thought about them, he prayed. Pick up in verse 9, Philippians chapter 1. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That's cool. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So here's a man that's asking for agonizing prayer, and then we hear what he prays, and it's all spiritual. He prays for the spiritual well being of the believers there, it's all spiritual. You start thinking of the Jew, those in Judea that were coming after Paul and all the things that he went through with people. You know, Philippians is a book of joy. Paul walks us through and shows us the joy of the Lord. But I have found, and I'm sure you have too, that there are a lot of joy stealers in life. Have you noticed that? Just situations and things and even people. People can steal your joy. Have you noticed I mean, really, is there anyone in your life right now that just gets on your nerves? Hey, hey, you guys are Christians. What are you doing? You're being human, aren't you? Of course there's people that get on our nerves, people that get under our skin, people that they're like fingernails on a chalkboard. You know, it's like, oh. And they just tend to sap the joy out of our lives. And like you're thinking, some of you are thinking right now, yeah, Ed, thanks, appreciate it. You're actually the joy stealer because I wasn't thinking about that guy for a long time. <laughs> and now you brought him to mind. What's your problem, you know? But it's true, true, things, things happen. We're human, we get in the flesh sometimes and things get on our nerves and people get under our skin. And, and who is it that's robbing you of your joy? Who is it exactly? Maybe it's your boss at work. It could be your wife at home or your husband at home. You're in a tough marriage situation. It could be, could be a friend. It could be an enemy. It could be your neighbor. It could be that professor, that teacher, that new person that just started working there. It could be a co-worker. A co- it could be just about anyone. And so we ask the question, who is that person? Then we have to ask ourselves, then what is the solution, Ed? What's the solution? How How can I pass through this? How can I get through this? And it's one answer, one word, prayer. And here's how it works. You begin to pray for them. You begin to take their name and their life and your situation to the very throne room of God. 
You take them to the grace of God and to the mercy of God through prayer. You know why? Because when you're praying for someone agonizingly, when you are really desiring God's best in their life, when you really are taking them and all the issues before the throne room of grace, like, like maybe they need to get saved, maybe the confusion needs to be lifted, whatever it might be, whatever the situation, you start to pray for them. You want to know something? You cannot be angry with someone that you're praying for. It just doesn't work. You can't both be in the spirit seeking their well-being and in the flesh angry at them at the same time. So choose to take them to the throne room of grace. Pray for them. You you can't be bitter. When you're praying for the well-being of someone in your life, bitterness will not take root in your heart. It's not going to happen. You're going to be in a position where... Guess what? You're praying for them and God's removing the anger. And you're praying for them and God's removing the bitterness. And you're praying for them and God's removing the frustration. At the very least, when you pray for people like that, you know what happens? You change. Here's your prayer. Change them, Lord. Change them, Lord. Change them, Lord. Change them, Lord. And all of a sudden, you start saying, change them, Lord. They're so bitter. And then God says, what about your bitterness? Oh. And you go, oh, Lord, they're so mean to me. And then your heart's all mean. And God says, what about your heart? Oh. And then you start thinking, okay, 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 Lord. Man, Lord, do you see what they did? And then the Lord says, what did you do in your heart? Oh, you're right. And then as God surfaces things in your life, you start to repent, don't you? You're like, oh, what a knucklehead I am. Oh, God, I need more of your grace. And what happens is not only is God going to use your prayer to minister to them, he will, I believe it. But at the very least, God's going to use your prayer to minister to you. And you just can't be angry and bitter and upset at a person you're praying for regularly because when you pray, your heart is changed. That's why Jesus tells us flat out, no exceptions, to pray for our enemies. He doesn't say go get them and get even and take care of it yourself. He says to pray for them. He says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies Bless those that curse you, do good to those that hate you, and pray for those that spitefully use you and persecute you. I mean, church, those of you that are right here right now, don't you see the prison that you're in over those decisions you're making? Don't you see? You're all bound up with bitterness and anger. All the decisions that have been made toward you, you turn it around, and you're the one in prison, not them. They're out having a great time. Yahoo! and you're all messed up over it. You're the one that's stuck. You're the one that's not making progress. You're the one that's not in fellowship with the Lord. All those thoughts are putting you right back in prison. All those decisions, you know, they do bad to me, I'm going to do bad twice to them. Really? All that's going to do is make things worse. Oh, see what they did to me? I'm going to make sure. Why do you mean you're going to make sure? I thought God was your defender. And as you start to take, and I start to take things into my own hands, I find that a bar of anger starts there, and a bar of bitterness starts there, and all of a sudden I'm in a prison all by myself, so far from the things of the Lord, so unusable. Can't you see? You know, I have found, and I know this to be true, there's only one person on this planet that I can control the decisions for, and it's not you, it's me. I can choose how to respond to anything. I can choose whether to respond in the spirit or to respond in the flesh. I can choose to respond quickly or I can choose to respond slowly. 
I can be quick to speak. I can be slow to speak. I can be quick to hear. I can be slow to hear. It's my choice. And through those choices, through those choices, God then develops me. If I make good choices, I'm sowing to the Spirit. I'm going to reap everlasting life. I make bad choices, I'm sowing to the flesh, and I'm going to reap corruption. I can make all sorts of choices, but when I make biblical choices, God honors that. And when I pray for people, when I seek God's best for them, I don't need to be captive to their actions. I don't need to be robbed of joy. I don't need to be captive to those thoughts. I don't need to be captive to that pain. I know the truth is this. You have been mistreated. You have been hurt. What you're feeling is real, it's difficult, and it's hard. Okay. How will you respond? Because that will determine the direction of your life. And it will determine whether the joy of the Lord really is your strength. So your reputation has been smeared. They've slandered you and gossiped. At work, I mean, that's how it is right now. Everybody thinks such and such about you. I know. Pray for them. Seek God's best for them. Because as you pray, let me give you a few things before we go. At least four things start to take place when you pray for your enemies. You can jot them down if you'd like. Number one, when you pray for your enemies, you pray for tough times. They don't even have to be your enemies. They could be your friends. You're praying for them. Your family, your mom, your dad, your grandma, your aunt. It doesn't matter. Number one, God answers prayer and begins to change them. That happens. God answers your prayer and they begin to change. Number two, God uses prayer and you begin to change. That always happens. Number three, God honors prayer and he restores joy in your life. He just honors your willingness to say, hey, Lord, this is a situation. I want your best. And he honors prayer and he starts to restore your joy. And number four, God supplies grace through prayer and you just steady on. You just keep moving forward. You keep seeking the Lord's best. You steady on. And so, ending Romans 15, pick up with me in verse 33. It's almost like Paul ends the letter right at the end of chapter 15, right? Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And you're like, amen, Paul. You may be dismissed. Nope. Verse 1, chapter 16, starts again. And as you read through all the greetings, you come, notice with me, just a little sneak preview in verse 20 of chapter 16. What does it say? It says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And you're like, okay, Paul, you're done, right? Nope. There's another amen. Verse 24. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Okay, Paul, you're done, right? Nope. Because there's one last amen we'll see in verse 27. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Men. And so we'll get there. But the reality today is what has God spoken to your heart? What has God revealed to you? I think there's a group of people here today that God has revealed that your need is not another Bible study. It's not a CD set. What your need is, is to repent from your sins and turn to Jesus Christ. Now that goes to believers and unbelievers alike. For you believers, maybe when I describe the aimlessness of life, that's like been your life. It's time to repent and understand where you're going to aim your life. But for those of you today that would be considered unbelievers, I know it's hard to hear that, but that's what the Bible calls you, an unbeliever. Someone that doesn't have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, a a fruitful relationship, a, a time of repentance. 
Like you recognize your sin. That's what God's been saying. And I don't need to go through a list of sins. You know what they are. And the Bible says that your sins have separated you from God. And in that separation, there's only, there's only one wise decision, and that is to acknowledge your sins before God, repent, and accept the free offer of salvation. This whole church is going to start praying. People on the internet are going to start praying. Even people on the radio at a later date are just going to pray that when this message airs again, we're going to start praying for the unbelievers that have heard it to recognize God's love. They're going to pray something like this. God, this room is filled with unbelievers, and I just pray that, that God, you would speak to them, you'd bring conviction, and, and God answers that prayer. And when you have the opportunity to respond, today's the day of salvation right now. Not to leave out again and saying, well, you know, it's the same old, same old, and, you know, it's no big deal, and, and, and I'll get along okay without God. You won't. It's a bad decision. A bad decision indeed. But we're praying for you to make a good decision, for time is of the essence. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. Pastor Ed, as you were speaking and we were praying, there may be some listening right now that want to turn away from their sin to the Lord. Could you share a word with them on what they need to do next and then lead them in a prayer? I'd love to, Larry, because I know many people listening to Christian radio come to this place over and over again where they have to be concerned about where they are in the relationship with God. And if that's you, I know that you're listening from the exact timing of God right now. And I want to encourage you to follow through with exactly what you're sensing and feeling and believing. I know it's hard to admit that you've sinned against a holy and a righteous God, but you have. And you don't need some pastor on the radio or pounding the pulpit, giving you a list of a thousand sins so that maybe one of them will be the one you committed. You already know as you assess your life, you, you, you know and you've been brought, you wouldn't be understanding me right now unless the Holy Spirit was giving you that understanding and that conviction. I want to invite you to follow the same path that this prideful, arrogant, insolent, rebellious man did back in 1991 when I was at the same place you are right now. And a pastor looked at me. Well, he looked in a room really of thousands of people. Like this radio broadcast is reaching thousands upon thousands of people but God has singled you out. And today, if you will hear his voice, he will receive you. So you can pray with me. You could say, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I realize my distance from you. And I'm asking you to help me turn away from my sinful past and to follow you all the days of my life. I believe in your life and your death and resurrection. And even though... I don't know everything. I do know and understand your great forgiveness. And I surrender my life to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here's what I want you to do. Go to our website, would you? Calvaryco.church. Calvaryco.church. And you scroll down to the bottom. There's a tab that says, Know God, How to Know God. And all the information you need is available right there. 
And I'd love to have you put that into your hands. I'd love for you to connect with us. Um, We can follow up. We have pastors and counselors that can come alongside of you and encourage you and strengthen you in biblical discipleship. Congratulations, and welcome to the family of God. Amen. And friend, if you just prayed along with Pastor Ed, share the exciting news with us. We'd be so blessed. There's a place to contact us at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Third Option by Miles McPherson. In it, Pastor Miles speaks out about the racial divisions in today's world and encourages us to see people as God sees them. It contains awesome practical takeaways and exercises to help you understand the points of views of others. I think you'll be inspired and encouraged to make positive changes in our country, starting with yourself. Again, ask for a copy of The Third Option when you call today at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Making a donation to the ministry is easier than ever through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Tell a friend about these daily studies, and then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from Romans. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.